Welcome to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, where our goal is to connect listeners to the great outdoors with hosts Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. I'm host Ben Brandell, owner of Meant to Be Outdoors, instructor of outdoor skills, and passionate about personal growth. I'm host Brian Hoffmeyer, wildlife biologist and avid outdoorsman. Welcome back to another episode of the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Brian, with my co-host, Ben Brandell, and this is going to be another Tuesday episode and the fourth episode of our Evolution versus Creation series. You know, if you haven't caught those first three episodes, uh, we do ask that you go back. It's kind of, we're kind of connecting them in a linear fashion. Each one kind of builds off the previous, so if you'd love to go back and listen to those, we'd greatly appreciate it. But today, we're going to be talking about the flood, the great flood. Um, the reason we're talking about that is because it answers um, so many of the uh, objections and explanations that evolutionists provide. It has uh, really all the answers to those, and it's very important to understand in the scheme of our created world. And so really where where we want to start with is is why did it even happen? Why did God do this to the earth, Ben? So we're talking pre-flood. So uh, last time we talked about the creation account, we saw how God literally spoke everything into existence and what he created for um, the first humans, Adam and Eve. Then we see the fall of man. We talked about that, um, the consequences. Um, then comes the curse. So we have death, and we also have a curse that we're dealing with. And and I do want to kind of state here that we, we could see two different kinds of climates. We have this world of perfection, and then now we have this curse. And you know the, the climate's going to be different. We have death now. Things are dying. So, you know, it's it's a different uh, climate. Things are happening happening differently. And then we get into to kind of more of the people. The Bible starts talking about more and more of the people. And that's where I want to really start with our pre-flood is getting into Genesis 6. And I'm going to read 5 through 8. So the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So, hallelujah, you and I wouldn't be here today <laughs> because we're talking about pre-flood. We're talking a very, very sinful, uh, no one person's heart besides Noah's was was for God. It was all pure evil, nastiness. And living in that type of, of world would be awful, you know? So God's a loving God. He's going to judge that. He He wants it to be a place that's good. Yeah, righteous you know? is the, the word that he uses righteous. for Noah. Yeah, yep. Noah was the righteous one. And what I take from that is he doesn't even, he's so mad he's not even using... His, the word anger, he, he's saying that he's sorry. He's sorry right. that he even created it, and really his solution to that is, well, wipe it out. But he did have to preserve it, and, and that's where you get in, into the ark and Noah and his family and then all the animals that were put on there two by two. But one of the big reasons, I think, for us to talk about the flood is growing up, most people, whether Christian or not, know the story of Noah's ark. But it's it's always told, you know, it's told in a, a kid's fashion. It's always the storybook tale of it. Um, but really looking at the biblical story of Noah and the flood, science today shows us really so much evidence and, and, and proof of, of what the Bible is talking about it and what happened during the flood. But it wasn't this pretty picture of, hey, build a boat, get on it with your family, make sure you and all your fuzzy animals are on there, and you go float around until the water is gone. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like that. Mm -hmm. He was wiping out the earth with sheer wrath and anger. And so the the way that the flood would have happened, we look at the way the plate tectonics um, would have had to been utilized by God for this flood is a big reason we have our mountain ranges and, and our troughs and our Grand Canyons and the things that we have today it would have had to cause tsunami after tsunami, multiple tsunamis an hour. The seas would have been so violent. You're talking about hundred, couple hundred feet waves, tsunami waves. Can you imagine being even? It was a big boat, but we make bigger boats today. Can right. you imagine being in a boat like that with your family and animals? Just forty straight days of storms and rain with the most violent seas you can imagine. It, 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 they weren't just floating around waiting for it to be over. Right. This is God wiping everything out. 
you, I mean, how how horrific. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of the point that we're making here that it wasn't this this fuzzy feeling. Um, you know, we we use the use the word fuzzy animals. You know, mm-hmm. these you can buy the the books and it comes with animals. It comes with the giraffe head sticking out of the top of the of the ark. You know, it's death. It's it's destruction. It's it's terrible, um, and it's God's wrath. And we also see God's grace in that that He saved people to where all of us could be here today. I mean, hallelujah for that. You know, the corruption, the dysfunction, rightly so that he should, but that's also the call that I'm going to make right now. We're not even at the end of this episode, but that's our call now, that, that we see what God does when our world gets to a point where he's like, okay, I, I can't put up with it anymore. That day is coming for us, especially if we don't turn it around. So I'll stop there on that point, but but we see it. It's it's evident. It's right here. He's, he's saying, wake up, people. Wake up. Um, pre-flood, you know, you have Noah and his family. He's being told, hey, you need to build this. got to build this ark. There will be a flood, right? Noah doesn't have a huge understanding of what that is, and and I would love to understand Noah's talk with God. I would love to, to know if it was just a true audible boom, here it is. But it was placed on Noah's heart. He started building it, right? And he had, he had time to do it. But then the Bible also says that God comes back and basically says, hey, in seven days, here comes the flood. And and so for me, it's just this idea of like all the thoughts that go through my head whenever God places something upon my heart to do. You know, right. uh, God asked uh, Brian and I to start Meant to Be Outdoors. And for those listening, if, if you started a business or maybe you're just going through living just day to day, but sometimes you question and, and doubt and then you get your answers and, and you're like, oh man, God is awesome. We saw how he moved here, but then it's kind of like, well, what's happening here and why is it taking so long? And and maybe, maybe Noah's like, well, you know what? Maybe he's not going to flood. You know, like all the thoughts that would go through while you're building and, and doing what God's told you to do, but seeing that it's taking time and, and then kind of questioning sometimes, letting the devil come in and question like, are you sure this is what you should be doing? Especially when all the people around you aren't helping you out. When they're against what you're doing, you know, and and that's why we can see before the flood comes, we have Noah and his and his three sons. Each ask who all who all was on the boat, who yeah. all was on the ark. So the Bible tells us eight people. So you have Noah and his mm-hmm. wife, and then Noah had three sons, and so it'd be his three sons' wives. So you had eight people on the ark, um, and then all the animals, of course, mm-hmm. except for fish. Fish didn't need to be on there. So right, uh, and that's actually neat. Here you can see that all the land breathe land dwelling air breathing animals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's cool that I mean it it lays it out there for you too. What what type of animals would have been on the ark? And that's one of the things that that people speculate is how could that how could this boat, even though it was huge, um, and based on the biblical measurements given, it's about seventy five feet wide, 500 feet long, and, and three stories tall. Huge. I mean, it's big. Yeah. You've, you've been to... Uh, you've been to... The Ark Encounter. The, yeah, the Ark Encounter in Kentucky that they built a replica. Yeah, yeah, up on the north north end of that up there. And, and uh, man, I tell you what, um, being... Just walking up to that, you're like, wow, that's big. But once you actually stand next to it, you can't see from end to end. You can't see a 3D view of it. I right. mean, you're just literally seeing one side. It's just so big. Um, and it, it's really neat to go inside to also get this understanding of, of it is doable. You know, I've growing up in the evolution world and being told that just how unrealistic and, and how this stuff doesn't make sense. They built this thing to the directions that the Bible says. I mean, they, they built it at that, that right. length and the width and using, using the directions yeah. that God gave Noah. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you could see how, it is plausible. Like, mm-hmm. I'll use the word plausible. It It is. You can see it. And it's just so neat that that God gives us the answers all the time for everything. Um, we just have such little faith most of the time. but Or we're, we're, or we're terrified of what other people are going to think of us or say about us. But to see that, that what he says um, is true, um, to read what happened, and to think about how being on that boat, how terrified I would be, even though I know that God's taking care of me. You know, if I was one of the eight on this ark, how um, how awful I would also feel to know what's what's going on outside, what took place, um, and and that's that is really what we want to share. That that if you're teaching or when you're teaching your kids this this account, because there's so much to teach, so much to talk about, and all of this, and we're only going to scratch the surface, and what Brian and I are talking about. But teaching this to your kids, like, or to other people, help them to understand that that this wasn't just some 
fun boat ride. Right. Right. This is a new start. Uh, this is going to be, this is going to change the Earth's climate for the third time. Like mm-hmm. we're talking mass, mass destruction. And so that's really pre-flood. Um, we have eight people and all the animals getting on the ark. And then honestly, this would be then the first time that we see rain. Um, the Bible talks about rain. So right. um, to not go down that road too much, just understand that there's the Bible makes it very clear that there would be no rain until up to this point um, as the flood begins. Yeah, right, if you really wanted to dive down a study of this on your own, you know, between evolutionists and creationists, the science is all the same. We all have the same data. We all have the same research. It's it's how the how it's interpreted that really matters. And there's a lot of it, and there is so many different areas. And, and as I look through it and interpret it, I'm like, holy cow! The evidence is absolutely overwhelming that a flood happened. It, I I don't even see how there could be another way. And we are going to share some of the main points, some of the really powerful points, but there is far too much of it, and some of it is far too. Uh, I'll use the word, I guess, scientific. We, are, we aren't smart enough to convey the message accurately, and some of it has to be shared with graphics. So we're going to do the best that we can uh, with what we have before us and really hope that that provides you an understanding. Um, something I want to start with something kind of fun here. <clears throat> One of the questions or objections is, well, if God told Noah to take a male and a female of all the land-dwelling, air-breathing animals onto this boat, even if the ship was huge, how in the world could he fit them all on there? Um, and it's it's explained pretty easily by science. And what some of the main things are, one, when people say, well, how did he get dinosaurs on there? Well, he would not have had to take, the flood was over the course of a year, so he wouldn't have had to have take taken the most mature, largest animals. He could have taken juveniles that were a smaller size onto this onto this boat so they would require less space and less food also it's estimated somewhere between 8,000 and 16,000 individual animals would have been on the boat and the reason that number is so low in the context of how many animals we have today it was just kinds and what I mean by that is there would have been one male dog and one female dog there would not have been wolves coyotes doberman pinchers labrador retrievers yorkies whatever dog you can think of those kinds would all have been turned into breeds later on. So each kind would have had to be there. Same thing could be said for cows. You would have had a male and a female cow. You wouldn't have had to have every breed that we have today. So the Labrador Retrievers that we have running around today probably weren't on the ark. Correct. But the DNA inside the original dog. Yeah, there was probably a male and a female wolf, something like that. So based on the ship's size and how many animals, individual animals would have had to have been on there, they really say that only about half of the ship would have been full of animals. So there would have been plenty of room for people and food and water storage for a year on this boat. Yeah, they, they showed, which that Ark Encounter, I'm a visual learner. Mm-hmm. So to be there to actually visually see what, what most people are talking about was incredible. If you haven't been, go. Go try it out. Take your family. Um, but yes, uh, the one floor that we were on was the majority of where they showed the animals would have been. And, and even to show how they they would have been feeding them, like how they, the different pots and and, um, pottery that they'd had for some of the, I mean, they had insects, they had all these, they were just showing how everything could have easily fit um, into there. And then also they kind of took it a step further because the Bible doesn't show this, but um, how they could have got rid of the feces, like Mm -hmm. all these animals that that may have been or would have been, you know, eating and then defecating. What does, what do they do with that? And so, Way too much to share on this podcast in regards to how it did and what they're talking about, but um, but it was doable, like plausible, like logical. It was in the grasp that man could do. Right. Yeah, so much so that we today can can replicate it. Yeah, absolutely. With, without God's divine direction coming in and speaking to us like, like Noah had. So, Ben, we're going to start, we're going to get in here and really talk about how did God do it? How did he cause the earth to flood? How did he do it so fast? How did he wipe out all of these species? But before before we do that, kind of give us a timeline, what it looks like, how old was Noah, how long ago was the flood? Give us this timeline of events, basically from the beginning of the flood until it was actually a few days longer than a year later when it ended. I've actually got this timeline of the flood from the Institute for Creation Research. Um, there are several that I've found out there that, that have made these timelines, but this one just, man, opened my eyes to 
to how young <laughs> everything really is. So um, we're in 2023 right now. Um, so 4,370 years ago, Noah would have been 600. Mm-hmm. So Noah's at, at the age of 600 years old. Well, I guess, yeah, I guess it would have been 71 because he, he still has to have his year on the boat. So he'd have been 4,371 years ago, he would have been 600. Yeah. Yes. 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 If you're doing, yeah. Okay. I'll go with that. <laughs> year or not year, we're just talking, it isn't millions. It isn't billions. It's only a few thousand years ago, which it's, it's so awesome. Um, but anyway, uh, so when Noah was 600 on that day, uh, the Bible tells us that the fountains of the deep burst forth. We can also read through there and understand that water starts coming um, from the skies as well. So that's kind of that wow, that wake up of plants. We see plants being watered from from below, but now we're seeing water come from above. And so we've got just so much water um, coming up and falling down. The Bible also tells us that it took 40 days and 40 nights of rain. And so you're going to see this process of the flood waters really starting to rise all the way until we get up to basically day 150. So day 150 that's when the floodwaters reach their peak height. Now, learning this as a kid in, in Sunday school, I actually thought 40 days and 40 nights was it. I thought it came up, did everything it was supposed to do, and like came back down and it was all done. But we're talking over a year, right? That is a long time. So at 150, on day 150, the floodwaters reach the peak height. And then you're going to start seeing then the floodwaters recede. So think about the destruction and, and anything that, thought it might be able to swim long enough to stay at the top of the water long enough like 150 days of this this global water source just full of water um, is going to to kill everything unless it was on the ark or the fish that were under the water so we start seeing the floodwaters recede and then we get uh, the bible helps us to understand that on day 224 that is when the mountaintop was sighted and that was on the first day of the 10th month now we look at day 264, that's when Noah sends out his raven, and then on day 314, that is when dry ground was, was sighted, which is on the last day of the first month. And then the last of this timeline shows that on day 370, the family leaves the ark, which that would have been the 27th day of the second month of Noah's 601st year. You know, a year has went by since we've started Meant to Be Outdoors. And looking back, it's went so, so fast. But in the moment, as we're living life each day, it feels, some some days feel like they're forever to get through. And I just, man, thinking about what this family, um, to have that blessing on God, but but to also all the chores, all the things that they had been doing for a year on this ark, to do the work that they were called to do, um, not only be rewarding, but also that responsibility that went on your shoulders of, of this is it. This is all that's left. Right. This is what's here. And, <laughs> and as soon as we, man, when we hit that dry land and we open the door, like life, a, a new life begins. Yeah. Um, it was a whole new world for them when yeah. they got off, when they got off the ship and, and to try to kind of put in perspective, I, I picture if someone told me right now, you know, you're going to go get on a cruise ship and you're going to live for a year, you know, it wouldn't be that bad, but I wouldn't be jumping up and down about that. To be on one boat and never be able to get off and set foot on land, and our cruise ships are incredibly luxurious. They're like whole cities on a boat. The Ark wasn't as big as a cruise ship, about half the size, and it wasn't as glamorous and luxurious either. There were no pools and swim-up bars on the Ark. Right. I think the comparison would be you're a worker on the ship. Right, You yeah. have to go work on this ship for other people for a year, not yeah. you get to go eat all the food <laughs> and the swimming pools and the music. But I would. My point is, I wouldn't even want to go live on a cruise ship mm-hmm. for a year and mm-hmm. never get off. But these, they they went and got on the the ark and and were being obedient to what God asked them to do. So let's really turn and look at how did God do it? What was the actual physical nature of how He flooded the earth? And Ben, you kind of briefly mentioned it, but if you look at Genesis chapter seven verse eleven, He really tells us how He put this whole event into motion, how He started, it. and it reads like this: "And the six hundredth year." of Noah's life in the second month, the 17th day of the month. On that day, all the fountains of the great deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were open. So let's look at what the fountains of the great deep would have been. That would have been these uh, plates, the tectonic plates and the seams where they are. They're literally opening up. And if you look at the topographic maps of our maps of our ocean floor today, you can still see all of these seams. And if you uh, go between 
North America and Europe and Africa and, and, and South America, there is a seam that runs from the north to the south of the earth out of almost completely halfway in the middle of the ocean. And that kind of explains that kind of explains Pangaea and the thought that we once were a single uh, landmass and now that we're broken up into into the seven continents. But these plate tectonics would have been put into rapid motion. So today we measure, we can measure how much our plates move and you're going to see a couple inches a year. And we still have earthquakes and things that are caused from that at this point in time to cause the destruction that we see as we study geology. So if we look at our rocks, a lot of our canyons, and we see the way that these layers are bent and moved, it would not have been possible if our plates were only moving a couple inches at this time. So they estimate the plates would have had to have been moving at five miles per hour over the top of each other. And the tsunamis would have been two to hundred, two to 300 feet in size. And with tsunamis comes soil and sediment and waves, and it's completely destructive. We still get tsunamis today. We can see what they look like. I think it was 2011, they had that massive, massive one um, in Japan that was caused by that 9.1 earthquake, the largest one ever. And we have video footage of what that looks like. So I feel like that's the best symbol or the best thing today that we could look and see why, what it may have been then. But this was happening several times an hour, not mm. once every hundred years. It is happening over and over and over again. And this would have been the mass destruction that we see from our fossil record. If we go and we look at our fossil record, especially in North America, all the dinosaurs, 90% of the dinosaur fossils and bones that we find are scattered out. Like a tornado comes through and, and scatters a house and throws two by fours everywhere. That's what it did to these animals. And then the 3% of the dino dinosaur fossils that we find that are still intact, their heads are all tilted back with their mouths up, basically suffocating, gasping because of this mass of tsunami wave and mud and everything that is coming over the top of them. It's something I find very interesting and incredibly contradictory from the evolutionary standpoint is this. The definition of a fossil itself, for a fossil to form, something has to die and be buried very, very quickly. Because if it's not, it's going to go through the decaying process, it's going to be scavenged on, and you're not going to get these complete fossils. Yet we find millions and millions and millions of complete fossils from the flood time. So it's proof that it happened very, very quickly, not over this evolutionary time frame. Evolutionists believe that Pangaea, and I mentioned Pangaea, but to explain it a little better, evolutionists and creationists agree that at one point in time, all the landmass on earth was connected and together. And I think one of the largest reasons that they all agree is if you look at all our landmasses today, our continents, and you grabbed them on a map, and you slid them together, they fit perfectly together. It's kind of hard to argue. Mm -hmm. You take things that are 3,000 miles apart as the crow flies, and you can slide them right together, and they would fit. It just makes sense. And then you look at the tectonic plates and the seams out in our ocean that are there. It's hard to argue because we can still see them today. It's where all these would have met together, and, and they would have broken up. But the argument is, did it happen over 175 million years of continental drift, or did it happen over this, this year's time? Yeah, you also have to add in that they're finding the same things after same. the split. So it's like like a puzzle. Um, I put a puzzle together before, and I realized that these two puzzle pieces fit together, but they weren't right. And how I knew they weren't right is because it didn't complete the the image. Right. <laughs> the it was an arm and a leg that were put together, and that didn't make sense. So not only do you see that you have this split, right, and they once fit together, but you would have you were finding the same fossil evidence, the same types of fossils um, from both regions of the split that are 3,000 miles away. Correct. You can take points on South America and match it to points on Africa, and the fossil record at those coastal points are exactly the same. We find the exact same animals uh, of the exact same age, and what's also crazy is that they're, they're animals and organisms that we see today. Mollusks, marine-dwelling animals, land-dwelling animals, it's the same ones we see today. The point of that is, is that if it happened over 175 million years of drift, evolution would have had to have happened, right? But it didn't. They're exactly the same. So they were together, they were ripped apart, and ended up 3,000 miles apart. Right. Fast. It, it was fast, is the point. It, it, it's proof of the flood. It's evidence for the flood that these fossil records are the same 
even though they're 3,000 miles apart. Because at one point in time, they were feet apart or they, they were connected. But these animals were literally have been feet apart. Next thing you know, they're being ripped apart. Crazy. Massive chaos. Destruction. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, we can look at plant fossils in Europe and plant fossils connected in the United States. And you know what you see? They're exactly the same. Yeah. They're exactly the same. So that, that argument that that would have drifted over that much time is kind of kind of irrelevant. But yeah, even looking at a fossil, that it had to happen quick, and that the way you find these intact dinosaur bones with these necks tilted back, showing that they were suffocated, there's no way they would have been buried alive or dead like that without just, if it wasn't just completely destructive almost immediately. Right. So the flood is answering so many questions that we have. But if you're looking through the lens that there was no creator and that there was no global flood, then you're going to have to try to find answers to this some other way. And the answers that we're being given right now because of that lens isn't adding up for you and me. And that's why we right. can't accept it. It's, it's, it's unacceptable. You're correct, man, and, and there's just so much there's so much evidence that that really answers a lot of the questions. One of the really one of the really bright spots for evolutionists that they use is is this idea that um, dinosaurs turned in into birds. But we can look at our, our fossil record and some of these fossils that we find that are complete, we can see in the stomach contents of these dinosaurs that they actually had birds in their stomachs. So, so the the dinosaurs and the birds were here together, and our fossil record very clearly shows us that. Uh, so that it's it's hard to make an argument otherwise. Right. Now, Brian, you have talked about dinosaurs a few times here already. Um, you know, I want to point out that we honestly believe that dinosaurs were made the same day, which have been the sixth day, as all of the land animals. So correct. You know, thank you for clarifying that. Th- yeah, we just I wanted to share that point right now that dinosaurs were on the earth. Um, they were made on the sixth day, just like all the other animals were made. Mm-hmm. So, um, because we don't hear a lot about um, the creation account, I think sometimes some of that gets lost. Like, what are the dinosaurs? Where do they come from? What happened to them? I mean, all these questions we have when. They're an animal like any other animal we have. And we don't see them today. And so learning about them as a, as a child, they're almost mythical. You yeah. know, it's almost uh, like they're like, like a unicorn, you know, but but they're not. They were here. They were real. God created them. Um, we we can look at fossil records. And, and so a lot of these locations, you know, there's 13 core states kind of in the mid western part of of the united states that colorado utah idaho 13 contiguous states there that there is a big swath of dinosaur fossils found so in some of these dig locations at the exact same depth which would indicate that they all died at the exact same time at the same event we also find 432 different species of mammals Mm. say it again 432 different species of mammals at the same depth and same dig sites as the dinosaur fossils and bones that we have found. Even more interesting, do you know what those mammals look like? The same mammals that we have today. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. They're the same ones, you know. They haven't evolved. They're They're the same animals that we have here today. So again, evidence just really shows that the earth is not that old in the context of million years and that Everything was wiped out in one one tragic and catastrophic event. Right. And you can also see that in the genetic side of, of let's just look at dogs. You don't have to have all these different species of dogs on the ark. They all come from one anyway. And, mm-hmm. and you can see that as humans, we are, we are breeding different types of dogs all the time. Um, the weird one right now for me is the Labradoodle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a but popular anyway, one. Yeah. I mean, but we can also look at um, mules. Right. You know, mules is an example from horse and donkey. I mean, we see that because we're doing that today. We have the evidence. We're seeing it. And, and it's sad that we're we're acting like we don't, like we're just too stupid to understand right. this stuff. Well, our, our world relies so heavily on coal and oil. And nobody's going to argue that. Everybody know, knows that we would just be devastated if you remove those from us. Um, and 
it's a really good explanation that there was a mass death of organic material at one time that created all these layers uh, of coal and oil that are found at the same depth and in and in one layer you know uh, it would have had it's coal and oil are carbon and so all organic materials are carbon so it would have had to come from these plant and animal materials all dying it's just a, a perfect explanation for those coal and oil seams right we have found um 1,000 different bat fossils, complete whole bat fossils. And so the next question would be, well, have we found any pre-bats, any mice with modified wings or mice starting to lose their legs? The answer is no, we have, we have never found any. All we find in bat fossils are complete bats. They look mm -hmm. just like the bats that we have today. So again, we're not finding any of these transitional forms. So really this idea is that the the earth is young it's not old it's thousands of years it's not millions well of years. honestly to me that is old <laughs> it is yes <laughs> i mean you know like several thousand years is old but because of this new newer concept of evolution that's come in saying billions and, and billions yeah well of course now this sounds young yeah you know dinosaurs are are both sides use dinosaurs so much because it's enamoring. One, they're huge compared to anything that we've had here today. We don't have them, but we are finding them. And there's so much of them that we're finding. Well, but but really quick, help us explain, though. The Bible doesn't talk about the word dino. It, right. it doesn't have the dinosaur. It doesn't have that word in the Bible. That's something that I don't know how many years ago we, we gave that right. term to this group of animals. But on, on day six, it talks about the beasts of the earth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can see it does talk about these large, giant animals in Job. Um, you can check out Job 40, 15 through 24. You can check out Job 41, 1 through 10. But um, And there's probably other verses as well you have or, or people may know. But um, we're talking about large, large animals here. Mm -hmm. But dinosaur, that word itself is kind of what we're talking about today. It's this word that man has created to explain this group of, of animal and so we're only learning about all of that animal because of what we're finding. Correct. What we can find. Below the ground. Right. And two things that really blow my mind, and these are more recent finds, is that we're, we're finding a lot of unfossilized dino bones. So, or a lot, of, a lot of them that are part fossilized and part not, which is showing they, they couldn't be that old or they, would be, they wouldn't be preserved. And they could be a thousand years old or two thousand years old, whatever it is, but they couldn't be millions of years old, and and still have a specimen for us to find. This 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 really really gets me because this this blew my mind. I didn't even think it was possible. I didn't know it was happening. But we now have fifty peer reviewed secular science journals that are all reporting fourteen different bioorganic materials that are being found in dio, dino bones. What I mean by bioorganic is they're finding soft tissue, Ben. They're finding blood vessels, blood cells, collagen, connective tissue. You you can see them under the microscope. You can look up videos online of them grabbing it with the tweezers on both sides and stretching this out. We're finding mm -hmm. soft tissue. Mm. That's awesome. Nobody would believe that thing that tissue would remain soft, buried for a billion years. Nobody would believe that. Right. It would be completely decayed or at least fossilized into we're finding soft tissue of dinosaurs. I mean, my mind is blown. And, that, and that's secular journals that are reporting this. Everybody is acknowledging it. Again, we all have the same data, the same information. How are you interpreting it? What are you using to interpret it? Right. And I want to recap on the creation account. You know, that's why we're saying that a day is a day. And it's not a thousand years between day one and day two. Because as you see, the all of this, all these processes, like all these things are happening um, day to day not not millions and millions and millions of years that's why when we look at the creation account we see that dinosaurs were made on day six well mm -hmm. fish birds were made on the days before that so you have this linear process of that creation account and when we look at how things outside are working together we're still seeing that that is working today um you know we talked about the sun the sun was made it wasn't the very first thing made and you can see how People have distorted and flipped and twist. My point of why I'm sharing this is that it does come back to that lens. And that lens that we're saying that it's so important to look through, especially as a Christian, is that we have to take what the Bible is telling us literally. A day right. is a day. It's not these thousands and thousands of years. Or um, 
but we also have proof in that. You know, Christian scientists are coming back and saying, look at this information. And it makes you and I smile because it's truth and it adds up and, and there's the answer. And we don't have to hide because we don't have it and we don't have to hide because we have it. Um, it's out in the open for everyone to, to check out. So do your research if you haven't on this. There's so much information, so much, especially in regards to just dinosaurs. Yeah, and, and the flood ex- explains so well why our continents separated, why we have mountain ranges, why we have these canyons, why we have the topographic features underneath the ocean that we have. It explains all of it so well, yet there's so many objections. And, and here's why. And that's, that's I'm, you said there's so many objections, and that's what I want to read. No, I want to share this. This is Second Peter 3, and I'm going to read 5 through 6. So again, I'm, I'm turning to Second Peter 3, and I'm going to read 5 through 6. And it says, For they deliberately overlooked this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, and that by means of these the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. This is actually verse 7 now. But by the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. That terrifies me because I know that if we keep going down the road that uh, in the days of Noah, um, I may see in my li- lifetime this this fire destruction instead of water. But that's that's honestly my answer right there is why why aren't people aligning with this lens? Why why? Why do I feel like I'm against so many people when, when I'm, when scientists, Christian scientists, scientists are sharing this information that we have so much access to and we're reading it? Why, why, why are people so against it or, or completely opposite than what we're seeing? The truth is, God's word shares it right there. Yep, tells Period. us ex- exactly why it was happening, and even the artifacts that we're we're finding, they they show that a flood would have had to have happened for them to even be preserved. Again, a fossil has to be buried quickly. Right. We have a lot. If you go to museums, you're going to see these dinosaur footprints and rocks and these fossilized footprints. I want you to think about something. As an outdoorsman, Ben, as a, as a hunter, when you're tracking something or even you are following tracks, if you were to say, be, say I went out and you were going to go try to find me in the woods. Mm-hmm. Well, between when I went out even if it was just two hours later, a big rainstorm came through, and then you came to try to find me, would you be able to find my footprints? No, it's tough. It, it's so tough. You and I, we hunt in the same place every year, mm-hmm. and we walk the exact same trails every year, and you and I aren't finding footprints that you and I have walked from the years past. Correct. Why? Because of weathering. We have wind and, <laughs> yeah. and rain. Weathering is happening. Yeah. And, and so my point is that with all these artifacts that we're finding, these fossilized footprints, they are so distinct. I mean, very, very distinct, showing rapid sedimentation. You know, these the flood would have brought so much mud and sand in to fill these footprints and fossilize them very, very quickly and harden them. That was how they would have been preserved. If it would have happened over millions of years, guys, there would be no footprints for us to have to study today. They would have been so weather eroded. It, in a matter of hours in weather, tracks go away. Yet we think that we'd have them preserved millions of billions of years later. It, it's not logical. It is illogical to think that way, in my opinion. Also, when you when you see, we have these specimens. They're absolutely incredible. They're fossils of, of sea stars and other sea organisms and, and mollusks, and they look just like the ones that we find today. Believe it or not, but they're perfectly preserved. Let me ask you this: If you grabbed a sea star, threw it up on a hot beach in the sun. How long do you think it would take to decay? I mean, I'll give it a, I'll give it two days. A couple days? Yeah. Maybe a week at the most? Maybe. I mean, I'm thinking because with that hot sun and then there are so many other animals right. that are prepared to eat that. It would never be there long <laughs> enough to fossilize. Right, exactly. Right? Yeah. Yet we have these perfect fossils, again, showing this rapid rapid sedimentation filling in that would have had to have come from some catastrophic event. The so, evidence is everywhere. Yeah, I want to add in right here, This it's called the Cambrian Explosion, and, and if you're just hearing about this, Google it. Check out the Cambrian Explosion. And why I'm sharing this is because uh, many years ago in college, I was taught about the Cambrian Explosion, and I've, I'm forgetting so much of it now. But the reason I'm bringing it up is because 
when you look at the Google images, when you type Cambrian explosion and you look at look at what they're giving examples of for these animals during this time, there's there's no pictures of fossils that are that are um, real. Uh, it's it's all um, artistry. It's all yeah, digitally created. Digitally created, yeah. um, you know, hand drawings of of these animals, and they're drawing these animals, saying, "Hey, this is what they look like." But we don't have the fossils to know what they look like. It's it's this recreation of literally a, a man or woman sitting down and, and putting, you know, a pencil on paper. And for a while, I believed it. Like, oh, look at all these crazy creatures that were were our very beginning you know mm-hmm. these very beginning creatures but we don't even have fossils for them right. and and if we did we'd be using we would be yelling hey check out these they don't they had to create drawings you know mm-hmm. cartoons of these in the cambrian explosion and so now that we're having this evidence of fossils like it blows my mind that that both sides we don't have it out for like people to see like you can look up like the stickleback fish you can find other animals that um that they have found fossilized of of like fish with other fish stuck in their mouth like if we're talking about the evolution process of of years and years and years that adds into millions and millions and millions and then billions and billions and billions you wouldn't have a fish stuck inside another fish's mouth another example there are fo- the fossils that we have that have live birth happening in the moment. Live birth. Like, you have... <laughs> the moment they were fossilized. The moment they were fossilized, they were in the middle of giving live birth. Right. Why don't we hear this stuff today? Why Why isn't it out for everyone to see? I don't know. Yeah. But that's what we're trying to share with you today, that there is truth out there. It is out there. We We do have the answers. Yeah. There's, Humans, man has the answer. There's kind of a funny one. This one made me giggle. Um, it's called a coelacanth, and I've been taught about a coelacanth in school, and it's used as evolutionary evidence that fish started to to grow land-dwelling limbs capable of walking on land because of the way their, their fins are shaped. And this was all based on coelacanth fossils that we found. <laughs> I'm laughing before I even say it. Do you know what we know today? We have coelacanths. We know where they live, and you can actually pay and go scuba dive. <laughs> <laughs> so they're not extinct. They're not extinct. No. And they're still going today. They're, they're still going today. Yeah. You know, Ben, you and I love the bass fish, and something that we do to prepare for tournaments is look at um, global or GIS images, mm-hmm. uh, Google Earth images, basically, uh, of places that we're going to go fish. And why that's really cool is because of these satellite images. They can show sedimentations. We love to fish river areas. So where rivers are flowing into impoundments, you can really see what they call the mud vein or the sediment fan of where everything is coming in and settling, where the river is flowing into a larger body of water. Those are great places to fish. You can't see them unless you you have that global image, image right. to look at. So if you look at some of the largest rivers in the world, that flow into the ocean, Mississippi, and there's ones in Europe and Africa. If you look at those areas and you think from an evolutionary standpoint that the continents drifted toward their current position over 175 million years, don't you think you would see this huge, long sediment and mud fan and the sediments in there would be really, really old? But you don't. Hmm. You see a short mud fan with sediments thousands of years old. Quick. Again, yeah. evidence of quick, right. catastrophic separation, tectonic plate activity that would have had to been used for the flood. There's evidence everywhere that the flood happened, and the flood is perfect evidence of the age of the earth. You know, this is a quick tangent, real quick. If you're a bass fisherman, bass woman, and you love to to go out and, and do your research before you fish a tournament, if you get on to Google Earth... <laughs> You can actually look back. They have images from almost every year, yeah. and and you can go in in past. You can go in the past and look at what areas you're wanting to fish, what they look like. If if the water was high, water was low, and what's crazy is you can see the changes that are taking place. Mm-hmm. Like it isn't a slow change. No. <laughs> like like when we have flooding, it manipulates our waterways yeah. so quickly. I mean, in months time, weeks time. Yeah. Yeah, and each year. Um, you sometimes have to relearn our river systems because the channels change um, be- due to flooding. And we're just talking about localized flooding. Think about 
just how wicked, crazy, a whole worldly flood would be. be catastrophic. Ben, something that happened after the flood that some people used to say that the flood couldn't have happened is the Ice Age. Right. But really, in my opinion, the Ice Age is is perfectly explained by the flood. The conditions that the flood would have caused would have caused an ice age. It, it, it all adds up. Um, let's, let's talk about that just for a second. First of all, what is the ice age? And it's kind of everything really froze. Yeah. And, and we lost even more species, even more species went extinct. Well, where's, where are our cold areas on the earth, where are they at? Yeah, our, our poles. Our poles. poles, right? So, if you had, com- you know, full of water, if it was completely covered in water, and especially we have a year's time, so we have this year's time process. Um, less than that, of course, as the the floods re- residing and going back down. But you are going to have frozen water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, there's really two things that were instrumental that would have happened during the flood that would have been perfect in causing the ice age, and one is. There would have been more volcanic activity during and after the flood than ever in the in the history of Earth. I mean, that's what was causing all con- that was causing these tectonic plates to move like crazy. That's what was causing our our mountain ranges and and all these valleys and canyons that we're seeing. And because of that tectonic activity and all the lava being flown uh, flowing into our oceans, our oceans would have warmed. So the oceans being warmed by all the volcanic activity. You know that would have resulted in in more evaporation. The evaporation rate would have increased. Plus, there would have been all this water from the flooding, and so it would have rained. The precipitation of rain and snow in these higher altitudes would have greatly increased, causing all this ice to form. And it wasn't the whole Earth. The whole Earth wasn't covered in ice. Just the higher latitudes around the equator, we still had you know tropical conditions where reptiles and things would have been able to survive. Otherwise, we wouldn't have them today. And also because of there was so much volcanic activity, all these particles, microscopic particles, would have been put into our atmosphere. And what that would have done would be reflecting the sunlight, which would have caused our summers on on Earth to be much, much cooler. And it would have allowed all the snow and ice to remain for a lot longer, forming all these glaciers. So the conditions from the flood perfectly explain why an ice age would have been caused. How would an ice age not have been caused would be the question I ask. You know, something that I have heard and read is that would be that third climate change that we've experienced mm-hmm. as a world. You know, we had this perfection climate, then we had this this climate that experienced the curse, um, and now we have this third, we're talking completely frozen, right? Right. This this ice age. Um, so quickly fast-forwarding today, today is our fourth, where it, we've done nothing but con- but constantly heat up. You know, we've we were as cold as we could be, and and now we're experiencing warm, and we're getting warmer and warmer and warmer. And that is an example of of uh, some of that climate change that people are talking about and discussing. But continuing on, though, that the ice age time, looking at the the animals that may have been living or had been living, and we're talking about the woolly mammoth. I actually heard a couple of days ago that um, they are trying to bring back the woolly mammoth. They're going to use the um, there's different types of elephants, and in my ignorance, I can't think of the two right now, but the littlest one, um, I think that's the, is it the Indian elephant? Anyway, the, the little elephant, they're actually going to take DNA from the woolly mammoth, and they're trying to bring the animal back, and they're mm-hmm. saying that they're going to put this back in, the, in the, the colder climates, and their hopes are that when they bring the animals back, put them in the, in the, climber, the colder climates, that it's going to help change our atmosphere. Right. I guess we'll see what happens there, but it's it's crazy because if if there was so much evolution taking place, then then how could we have how can you take a woolly mammoth, bring put it into an elephant today, and then hopefully get another woolly mammoth? Like the scientists today, what they're wanting to work towards, they're using <laughs> they're using what God designed. It's not right. this. This crazy evolution process. We we couldn't yeah we couldn't create a, a woolly mammoth with without the DNA being found. Right? Yeah yeah and and if if things are constantly evolving then you would never ever be able to have that pre animal that earlier yeah. animal again. What we used to have. What we used would, to have. Yeah yeah, yeah you're oh, exactly man. right. 
You know, Ben, to wrap this up, there's so much more to, to, to cover. And again, a lot of it is, is really deep and, and really scientific. And to be honest, some of it's over my head mm-hmm. and, it, and it's hard, it's hard to share a lot of it. Um, even when you do get a basic understanding of it. And I think that because of, because of the depths that it does go into the scientific world, that there, that's where evolutionists and creationists collide. And that's where the wool can be pulled over your eyes. And so why does why does this matter? Why does the flood matter? Why does it matter to teach the truth about our current position of our land masses and the truth about f- what a fossil actually is? Why does all of this matter? You got a really good friend, listens to this podcast, supports this podcast. Um, integral to my Christianity without him, I... Don't know if I'd know the Lord like I do today. We taught him through this podcast um, the difference between bison and buffalo. And because of this information that he now has, when he hears the inaccuracy, when when he hears um, television shows and movies use the word buffalo and substitute for the real name bison, he gets mad now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he shares like, he's, he's kind of frustrated because he wants... They shouldn't be sharing these inaccuracies. You know, he makes the point that there are men and women that are paid to preview everything before it goes to an audience to make sure that it's accurate in what's being shared. And he's like, they're not using the right word. It's they're talking about bison here. And that's my point. Like, it frustrates me as as I live out through my day and, and I hear different stories and reports and, and television shows and movies and, and anything in the media, you know. As they're sharing these inaccuracies or these these things that aren't true, um, it fires me up, and it fires me up because a I don't want to live in a world of ignorance. I don't want to live in a world that of, of stupidity either, and it breaks my heart when people live in a lie. And and yes, we live in a day where you can just you can obtain. You can find whatever you want to on the internet. I mean, you can, whatever you want to search for, whatever you want to find, you're going to find the answer to. And that's even in things that we shouldn't be doing. Like, there will be people that will will tell you to go do things that you shouldn't do. So whatever you want to find, whatever answer you want to find, you're going to find it. Right. But what's the truth? And once we determine what that truth is, we should be striving to live in that because it is the way to live. Because at the end of the day, it, it the truth is holiness right god wants us to be holy he doesn't care about our comfort some people can say yes he does but my point is is that you're going to be uncomfortable when you when he's helping you to become holy right he cares about our holiness and that is truth and that is righteous and that's what he's asking of us and when we're sharing all these lies like the devil does to twist to distort to do nothing but to to blaspheme and and to push away a god that loves us so much it's twisted mm-hmm. and some people are going to say ben it's just an animal or it's it's we're just talking about dinosaurs it's deeper than that right these people have have created this information that's false that they're saying everything else is is happening by man that gets me it, it yeah. gets me because it is a bison it's not a buffalo yeah you know? and, and where you're kind of going with that what you're explaining is this this idea of well if if i believe it it's true and if I don't believe it, it's not true. This idea that we can dictate truth by our beliefs and holy cow, talk about a logical fallacy. Let me ask you this. Which drawer, we're going to say top drawer being number one and, and whatever your bottom drawer is on your dresser, which one do you keep your socks in? Which one's full of socks? Uh, I'm going to answer this honestly. It's drawer three. Because I share a dresser with my wife. So she took one and two, and I have three and four. So my third drawer is my number one drawer, and that's where my socks ride. I don't believe it. Why not? I don't believe it's full of socks. Why not? So is it, let me ask you, is it now empty? No. No, it's it's still full of socks. It doesn't matter if I believe it's full of socks or not. Right. And I use such a crazy example just to show how ridiculous that is. You're telling me it's full of socks, and if me saying, no, it's not, I don't believe you, it doesn't make your socks disappear. Right. The truth is that your third drawer is still full of your socks. Right. 
And that's what all this comes down to. It's interpretation of this evidence. There is truth. One side is true. And just because you do or don't believe the other side doesn't make it not real. It doesn't. And we have to be so careful of that because we live in a world that says, believe what you want to believe, and that's the truth. Mm -hmm. And so I hope that as you're going through this series with us, you're starting to ask some questions. And just because that one side is the only side that is taught, I hope you pause next time you see something or that you're taught something. I think back to the Lucy, the chimpanzee example that we gave as a transitional form. They talk about how her feet and her footprints were human-like, and that's a reason they, they thought she stood on two feet. We've never found any of her feet bones, ever. It's a complete fabrication and lie, but they believe. Again, be so careful about the information you're taking in and ask questions. Do that critical thinking and think for yourself. Could this really be? And then do a little deep diving. Brian, there's one more thing that we hear about a lot. And it's the Big Bang. Well, speaking of believing, uh, I, it has really become the predominant secular view of the origin of everything. It is really mind-blowing to me because it's bad science. It is, is not even good science, yet it is so often defended with, well, science says. And we're not going to go deep down this rabbit hole of no population stars and no evidence of cosmic inflation and hot and cold and, and dark matter. And We're not going to go deep down this rabbit hole. We're just going to real quick explain a few things. And one is the idea, the Big Bang Theory basically is the idea that there was a singularity of existence and that through the Big Bang and chaos came the order that you see today. Well, yeah, two... the, you have this expansion, and it's still expanding today. I've I've heard some differences. They've added and taken away, but the point, everything. I use the balloon example that you're blowing up a balloon and it just expanded, and it's mm -hmm. it's growing, growing. That's how everything's moving out. With that Big Bang theory, though, there is no answer before the Big Bang, and that's where Christians come in and say, "Well, God could have used the Big Bang to create all this." That's that's what I hear, and that's what frustrates me is because we just went through the, the creation account last podcast, and you can't have both. Mm -hmm. You can't have both. Because we're talking about the creation account took place in six days, a six-day account. The Big Bang, we're talking millions and millions, and, and that's where then you have the Cambrian explosion like I talked about, where you have the – that's a part of where the animal life comes into play, and, and you have all these years and time – of all these things happening. Mm -hmm. And you and I have clearly, you more than me, you have made it very clear that you see that the flood, not only is it biblical and we have really the proof that it happened, it's revealing a lot of our past and giving us, really it's it's helping us answer what the Bible is saying right. took place and, and did happen. Let me ask you this, Ben. Do you know the person who built your house? No. I, I wish I did, but no, I don't. You don't know them? No. Do you believe that they exist? I know at one point they did. Why? Because somebody had to build my house. No, 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 no. Your house just happened. What do you mean? It just appeared? It just happened. Yeah, there there was a little thing sitting out there, and then it, it turned into a house. You, you know what's even crazier than that? It's <laughs> talking about all of a sudden you have a kaboom. Right. So not only did the house just appear, but destruction happened, kaboom yeah. happened, chaos, and, and now I have this perfectly designed home. Right. That's really hard for me to get behind. Right. And, and that's my point. A house is fairly simple to build. There's so many home builders. You know, you and I could probably build a house if we really had to or, or put our minds to it. Yet nobody would ever believe that a house just happened. Nobody. If I... If I went to somebody and was fully convinced telling them that you guys aren't going to believe this, I found this house and it just happened. It's just there. People would think I was crazy, absolutely crazy, or or taking some kind of substance to make me think and act this way. Right. Yet we can look out at nature that is so amazing and has order and works far, 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 far more complex than a house. 
and it is the predominant view of our origin that all of that came without a builder, without a designer. That makes no logical sense to me. I, I could never get on board with that. But it is taught, and is taught over and over again. It is taught to all of our children. It is taught to our children in our schools. To not be taught that, people have to do things. You have to seek out to be taught the truth. Mm-hmm. That's heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. It is. Lastly, I want to address what you said about there are Christians that believe the Big Bang could have been what God used. They don't believe in creation. You know, for the Big Bang to have been true, there would have had to have been something. The singularity, even, would have had to have been created. Created. Nobody is going to believe that something came from nothing. It is an impossibility for nothing to make something. So why would a God exist and make a singularity and then just leave it at that? Why would it, why would they do that? I don't want a God that operates like that. I want a God that is so divine and such an artisan that he created life, that he created fully complete humans, animals, plants, water, these systems that all work together that can't exist without the other system. I've got to share this, Brian. It's You're, you're right there. And a really well-known podcaster, one of the highest paid in the land, came out and was talking about aliens. And well, I'm just going to share it this way, that there are people that believe that there are aliens and they're coming down and checking on us because we've evolved through their help. And... The reason I'm sharing that is because the Bible makes it very clear that he created humans in his image, which separates us from all the other animals. From everything else. He also gave us dominion. He didn't give any other creature the dominion. So why would a human want to to push all the way and say, I don't believe that? That's crazy for me. But he created us in his image. And that's why we are creative. That's why when you see humans, you ask, who built the house? Mm-hmm. I know that a squirrel didn't. Right. A human did. Mankind. Somebody in the mankind made it because he created us in his image. He is the one that we get the creativity from. I mean, we've built cars. I've had some some close friends say, well, Christian scientists wouldn't help us get to the moon. Like, yeah, yeah. Christian science, (laughs) science period, helps us to build rockets, spaceships, vehicles, understanding fuel, all the sciences we have. Medicine, yeah. Medicine. I mean, everything comes from from him, especially because he created us in his image. That's why we are mankind. That's it's why we're different from all other creatures. Mm-hmm. It isn't because of some alien. Yep. And because people want to push and, and get rid of God so much, they create new thoughts and ideas that have no foundation and have no origin, period. Right. <laughs> it's just made up. But but with that making up, people can pull in things to make them seem plausible. Because they that, want to believe. Right. In something. Everybody in, believes in something. In something that doesn't hold them accountable, that, that doesn't judge them for their actions. Right. Yeah. It doesn't. We hope that you're sharing this podcast, and especially this series with other people. If any of our podcasts, we're, we're into the 70s now on episodes. If there's any of them that you share with anyone, please share this Evolution versus Creation series. It is the one that has been most heavy on our hearts. If nobody ever listens to any of the other ones, I mean, we'd hope you listen to them all. But if you never listen to any of the other ones, please listen to the Evolution versus Creation series. Help us out by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. There's been several people lately... Uh, going on Apple Podcasts and leaving us reviews and ratings. And that is helping us so much. We can see us our, our chart numbers going up. Thank you if you're one of those people that have done that. And if you haven't, please take a moment to do that. Whenever you're in Apple uh, Podcasts, just scroll down to the bottom and just click. There's a little, I think it's blue words. It says write a review. We'd be so thankful if you would do that for us. Um, that way when people start searching things about the outdoors in the podcast section, Meant to be Outdoors is going to be one of the one of the ones that comes up for them. And we really want more people to listen, and we'd be so thankful for that. 
other ways that you can support us is by automatically subscribing and downloading on that platform so that you're getting each episode. If you do feel so inclined to support us financially, uh, Facebook, Instagram, even TikTok, we have a link tree at the top. You can click on that link and then it'll bring up a Patreon button. If you click on that, you can sign up uh, to donate $5, 10 or $25 a month to us and that would greatly help us out as well as we move forward, new equipment, new software and all that that we need to get to really grow and we want to have more guests on this year but we do have a little money that we need to, to spend to make that possible. We are so thankful for everybody listening. We will be back on Thursday with another episode and as always, between now and that episode, we hope that you find time to get outdoors. Thank you for listening to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast hosted by Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. Please help us by subscribing. Also, follow along on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook.